She's the push she brought from the Bronx, New York. Follow her voice, a straight dog is nice. She's the push she brought from the Bronx, oh yeah. Don't be surprised if you want to listen twice. Make decisions, find the right choice. Know yourself better, find your own voice. It's okay if you need help today, cause everybody needs a little push. From the push she brought from the Bronx, New York. I love it when my theme song gets me going in the morning. <laughs> Welcome, Transformation Talk Network listeners. My name is Ellen Stewart, and I am the pushy broad from the Bronx. Welcome to my show, Recovery Recharged, where we share advice and assistance from experts in addiction and recovery. I absolutely love this guest. I love this show, and I am so glad that she can come back. She is a regular consultant for us here at Recovery Recharged, and she's talking about things that I know will interest you because everybody or everybody you know is going through this, okay? This show is about navigating the job market, insights and strategies for success with our resident career coach, Melanie Wexler. So this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how the job market has changed following the pandemic. We're going to talk about how job seekers need insights and strategies for new success, because maybe some of the old ways aren't working, and we're going to find out what that's all about. We're going to get facts, and we're going to get answers so that you can alleviate the stress and anxiety that comes from this process. And I know what this is about. I have career coaching clients. Mel Melanie has career coaching clients. We're going to commiserate today. We're going to get you some <laughs> really good answers and some good ways to find the job that you want. So if you feel like calling in with questions, please do that. That's totally terrific. I would be thrilled about that. If you don't want to leave your name, that's okay. Our producers won't tell me that. They'll just tell me a question. So don't worry about it. You know what the call-in number is, and I'm hoping that Benny will put it on the screen so that I can remember it. <laughs> But I promise you that if you want to call in, I'll give you that number. But let me right now tell you about Melanie Wexler, okay? The reason why she's with us on a regular basis is because she's a seasoned career coach. She specializes in job search, networking, interviewing strategies, and she has a career herself spanning over two decades. She has expertise in a wide variety of career-related areas, including crafting compelling resumes, optimizing job search engine strategies, honing your interviewing skills, and also developing impactful LinkedIn profiles, which I know everybody is worried about. So Recovery Recharged and the Pushy Broad from the Bronx welcomes Men Melanie Wexler. Good morning, Melanie. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for always having me. I always I would look forward to this. So, well, you know, you always give us the straight stuff. You tell us exactly <laughs> what's going on, okay? And we really appreciate that because you're out there in the world. So, let's start from the beginning, okay? 
I see all the time, I go into restaurants, I, I go into hotels, and I talk with people there, I talk with people that are doing the hiring, the, those jobs are maybe considered blue collar jobs. And I want you to explain to us what we actually define as blue collar right now and what we talk about. And everybody, all the employers tell me, there's nobody, I can't find anybody to hire. There's nobody to hire. Why is such, why is there such a labor shortage? And why are employers facing blue collar and the hospital hospitality worker uh, employment deficits? Yeah, that's such a great question because what we're seeing right now, and this is definitely post pandemic, was when the hospitality industry, the restaurant industry, all of those industries were for the most part, kind of decimated because of the pandemic. And so what happened was a lot of these individuals were put out of work. A lot of these individuals realized that their careers were not stable. That's a that's kind of a myth that uh, individuals often think of like, oh, I have this like, you know, this I'm, I'm kind of protected, so to speak, or, you know, my job will never go away. And then lo and behold, we all survive a pandemic and we find out that we're not necessarily protected. So what a lot of these individuals did was one, make some conscious decisions that they wanted more for their lives, realizing that um, working 40 plus hours a week uh, earning tips and, you know, very minimal wages in restaurants was not going to be sustainable for them. Um, so there's, a you know, the free will of individuals just deciding that they want something better, which is kind of forcing the hand of employers to recognize this. I mean, their, their employees really have put their, you know, kind of foot down and said, no, you know, I do want work-life balance. I, I need to have a job that, you know, I don't need to work three jobs just to pay my rent um, because the cost of living obviously has gone up. And so we have all these aspects. And in terms of the blue collar, that's, you know, it's changed just as we've seen evolution of our, uh, you know, years where we used to think blue collar was factory, uh, was very industrial, and now blue collar is really our hospitality. It's our, you know, kind of that um, hospitality restaurant, um, you know, business. Obviously, we still have industrial, um, which we're not seeing as much of a change there. But we're also seeing a change in terms of the dynamics of the age of workers. Um, our society is continuing to get older. And we have younger, a younger generation that's realizing that they can do more you know, they have the ability to have more. So there's a lot of factors and a lot of uh, going into what's happening with the shortage of uh, labor. Okay. So basically, let me just summarize it for everybody out there. First of all, our definition of blue collar has slightly changed. All right. So that's what you're saying to me. And I yeah. get that. But basically, a blue collar worker would be somebody at the moment for us that that is maybe defined as getting close to minimum wage when it comes to the revenue they're generating. And because of that, people rightfully so are saying it's not enough to live on. It's just not enough. Right. It was never I mean it was never meant to be that way. You know, it was never meant to be. You weren't meant to make minimum wage to live on. Uh, a full sustainable life. I mean, that was never meant to be that. And there are, I will say, there are a lot of efforts, a lot of states have increased the, what 
you know, the minimum wage of when I was, gro- you know, when I was a teenager. Well, the minimum wage when we were growing up was probably, a, a, for me, which was back in the 1800s, it was probably like $2 an hour. And now it's 15 and change, I think, maybe close to $16 only in some states because it's yep. state driven. I understand it's not, you know, e- even though it may have come down federally as to what it could be, it is still regulated state to state. Is that correct? That is correct. So, every state does have different you're going to see um you know astronomical rates like say for example seattle um washington state has a very one of the higher minimum wage what is Um, that for everybody in seattle uh you know what i need i don't don't quote me on this but i know it's 15 and above i know that there's certain the state legislator um has a lot of state legislators have um kind of um incremental increases so after like certain like 2025 they may have another increase and they've placed that in there so there's a you know but on the same token i understand that you know that forces the employee employers to have um you know they have to then say okay how much staff can we afford what you know what's the revenue coming in so it's a push pull um from that standpoint Okay. Well, since we are a, we are broadcasting from a Seattle-based station, yeah. it's really worthwhile to know everybody here in Washington State that at least if you're going for a minimum wage job, you will at least get one of the highest paid situations in the country. So that's a plus, right? The grass isn't greener someplace else. That's what we're telling you. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So here we are. Before we move on, let me just tell you that the call-in number today is 800-930-2819. Okay? 800-930-2819. If you have an employment question, this is a free opportunity to get some top-notch career coaching. Pick up the phone and ask. You have nothing to lose. Okay? So... Here we are back to the fact that the minimum wage employees are now being directed elsewhere. And because the pandemic was there, they had an opportunity to leave that, quite honestly. And some of them collect unemployment, which is what they needed because they couldn't go out there maybe for fear that they would get sick. So their their situation was legitimate and they couldn't go out there. But now that they're first coming back, What's happening? Are there are there people that are not even looking for minimum wage jobs? They're looking for better than that. How come I can't find a, a, a reservation clerk at, at a hotel or a waitress in a diner? What do you think the reasons are, Melanie? I really think it's a reason of, of really wanting something a little bit more for individuals' lives. And I know that that, you know, I know for some, some are going to say, well, take the job and go look for something better, you know, um, which a lot of people are doing. A lot of people are doing that. But on the same token, people are taking the opportunity to advance their skills, uh, do additional um, education that's not in a non-university setting. So certification courses, things of that nature, really. And then also, again, just really like, do I want the life of, you know, working 40 plus hours a week, standing on my feet all day, um, you know, not feeling necessarily appreciated. Um, and so a lot of these factors, which I know some people are going to say, get over it, whatever. Um, but I think the pandemic, if anything, taught us, like, let's take stock of our lives. 
Let's really take stock and say, what is important in my life? And, um, you know, a lot of these people are still, you know, they're either still, um, they are still working or they have, you know, we're able to find other types of employment, other opportunities, because again, we had, you know, opening kind of an opening of the world, so to speak. So um, some of those have been dispersed into other industries, things of that nature, and, you know, and others may be going through their own journey. So, you know, I think if anything, the pandemic taught us, like, let's take a, I mean, it forced us to take a break and it forced us to say, where do we want to be in our lives? And that's, that's a really good thing. And I think, I think what I'm seeing as well as you, and then we're going to, we're moving on from here, but in general, you're absolutely right. The pandemic forced a reassessment and that reassessment is telling us now that I have an opportunity to sit back and say, what do I really want to do? Maybe it's more of a directed want rather than a need. Yes, I yeah. really want to do something rather than I need to do this to bring money in. Okay. And that's always a factor because we always have to bring money in, but it's yeah. a wonderful thing to be able to do a job that you spend so much time on that you really love as opposed to something that's just collecting a paycheck for you. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. So let's move on to the how-to portion of the journey, <laughs> which everybody wants to know. Remember, the call-in number is 800-930-2819. Any questions about employment, here's the deal. Any aspect, any industry, any situation, give us a call. But here we go. Let's talk about how to stand out as a job candidate. All right. Let's just give me some general tips and advice on how candidates can make themselves stand out. Because I'll tell you something. I just spoke to somebody yesterday. I I spoke to an employer of a huge company. He's got 300 people, you know, so maybe it's not huge, huge, but he's got 300 pe people that he provides for in an employment situation. And he puts out a job request and he gets 70 to 100 resumes for each job. That's astounding. So how does a candidate make themselves stand out in such a competitive job market? We are listening carefully. <laughs> so there's probably two sides to this coin. So there's a technical side of what you do with your resume, how you format your resume, making sure it gets through the process. Um, from the non-technical side, what I will say is you have to first and foremost, understand what value you're bringing to the organization. What problem can you solve? What are their understanding their pain points and what are your transferable skills or skills? All right. So let's stop. Let me stop you right there because my question, if I was looking would be, how do I figure that out? How do I know what problem I can solve? Well, that's, that is actually a very good question. And this actually is where most people fail, I will say, because this is kind of like, there's the, re what I call your foundation is your resume and LinkedIn, but what you do before your resume and LinkedIn profile is really doing the assessment of what are your strengths? Um, what are, you know, going back through your career, what are your it's an overused term, but I'm going to use it. I'm still going to use it. What are those superpowers? What do people know you for? Like, you know, what are you, are you amazing at customer service? Like you can solve a problem. You don't care. You know, you're not intimidated with an issue. You'll take that angry client who's screaming and yelling at you 
and all of a sudden they'll be calm and happy. You know, what is it that you do? What is it that you do differently that makes you stand apart? That's what you have to leverage in today's market. You have to show up in terms of, I understand what your pain points are, and this is how I can help you. What people are trying to do is do this universal blanket of, oh, I'm a great, you know, project manager. Okay, that's great. But what makes you different? Why should I, you know, I always ask clients this when I'm doing, a, when I'm going through their resumes with you. It's one of the last questions I always ask. Why should a company hire you? And it's the question that I will tell you this, most people struggle with. And, and I even joke with my clients. I go, okay, now you get the really the tough question. I always save it for last. Why should they hire you? And a lot of people, him and haw, and they're like, I don't know. I, I, I guess because maybe. I'm a nice person, right? Like <laughs> I come to work every day and I work hard, you know, that's not enough anymore. Not when you're competing against all of these, um, you know, all of these resumes. And then you've got to be able to translate those um, skills into your resume. How has that shown up? Where have you saved time, money, or resources? How, you know, what are some impacts you've made within your, that organization or your previous positions? That's what you've got to display in that resume. And so that's the place where you got to start. What are you solving for that company? And I think you're absolutely right. And I would add just a few things to that in the same theme, okay, of I also talk to clients about what have you done specifically for this company to generate revenue? How have you made them money? Specifically, I increased revenue by $20,000 or I increased revenue by 3% over the last quarter. Something to show them that you are paying for your job. You are a revenue creation possibility for them so that they realize that you bring money to the table. Okay. Another thing that, yes. And another thing that people want to know is, If you have done something innovative in your current job, you created a new operation system, you created a new manual that they never had before, you created a new training program that was never a situation, you solved something in particular that caused the company to to be able to hire more people or to come up with a new idea, which is also part of helping brand yourself. Why you, like you keep saying, Melanie, why do you stand out? Not only for your skill set, but the actual accomplishments that make you different, correct? Absolutely. And you hit on something about brand. And, uh, and this is something too I talk about a lot is what is your personal brand? And oftentimes people say, we think of personal brands as, you know, the big, big names, you know, Starbucks, we think of like, oh, they have a, you know, they have a brand. I'm just a person. I don't have a brand. No, every single person has a brand. I don't care if you're the server um, at the local restaurant. I don't care if you're the CEO of the, you know, of the corporation, you have a brand, you have something unique that you bring to the table. And that is what you have to really leverage in today's market. You have to be able to show what makes you different than the other person that's applying for this job. 
You're absolutely right. So let's say we now focus on who we are and what we've done, and we bring a different set of words to our resume so that it's not the cookie cutter. I'm a team player Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I'm loyal and I can problem solve and I can multitask. All of those words that somebody finds on chat GBT or, 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 um, or on, you know, all kinds of other resumes, something specific to you, but how do we find out what's the smart thing to do about the company that you're pitching, right? How do you find out what potential problems can be solved on your end? How do you know something about the company? Yeah, so you got to do your research and the in today's market again it's not enough just to apply for the job. I mean, you know, I you know grew up in the time where you could have um, heck, we didn't even have, I, I think I had to mail my application <laughs> into my resume. I know I did. I used to I have a I bunch of, of, of self-addressed envelopes with stamps on them already yeah. with my name and address <laughs> on the left-hand side. And, and then I made, then, then when I was able to, I could make labels with the company names, right? Just exactly. to send out the door. I mean, I remember I, looking at the uh, like actual newspaper, the actual paper newspaper, not nothing online for job opportunities. Oh, so. Oh, I know my I don't even know if my kids would know what that um, well, that, <laughs> what that was, is. But. I was career coaching when I said to my clients, Sundays and Wednesdays is the New yep. York Times and the Wall Street Journal ads. That's when you need to buy the paper. Okay. And and sometimes that's the case now. So so what do we do? How do we find out about the company? Give us specifics. Yeah. So now, you know, now we're very fortunate because we, you know, Google is like the best invention ever. I still believe fully in that, but you, there's so many websites that you can go to that can give you information about what's happening with the company. But of course I'm a big, you know, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. And one of the things that I'll tell you with LinkedIn is you can go to those, those company pages. You can see what are they posting about? What kind of content are they creating? Are they talking about the latest um, acquisition? Are they talking about, maybe they're talking about struggles that they're going through or, you know, even losses, Um, you know, any information you can find about the company in terms of what's happening with the company in the last three to six months is going to be vital because one that shows that you've done some of your research and that you're hitting, you know, hitting on those points. The other thing is, getting looking for those hiring managers that are on LinkedIn, not just the recruiters on LinkedIn with the company, but the actual decision makers, the people that are on the line, what are they posting about? What's the CEO of the company posting about? What are they talking about? Because that's going to give you a good indicator of what's important to them or what's, you know, happening in their industry where, you know, and it can still be industry wide, what's happening in the industry. Um, that this company is in, you know, is this other company having this major um, technological breakthrough that maybe is going to push this other company to say, oh, you know, we've got competition now or we're behind the curve. So all of these are at our fingertips with the internet. Um, LinkedIn is a great one. I really, of course, I love LinkedIn, but it's, you know, a great one source where you can go, but not just find out a company information, but also the hiring managers, the directors, what are they talking about? 
And that's a wonderful thing. So I want everybody to realize this. I never had a great relationship with LinkedIn, but then I didn't realize how valuable it was from this standpoint. And I also direct all of my career clients, the ones that I have and the ones that are in recovery to LinkedIn, because I strongly believe that this program, Recovery Recharge, knows without a doubt that one continues to be motivated and stay clean and sober when one is actively doing something on a day-to-day basis that someone can get around and get behind and support themselves. We stay clean and sober when we stay engaged, which is exactly why this is such an important show. And we do this several times a year because work really helps connection and connection helps sobriety. That's why this is so important. And I also found that on LinkedIn, even though you're an individual, you need to understand that it's relative, it's it's easy, right? It's not a big deal to do, Melanie, right? And even yeah, though you're an individual, it's a good thing to do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, like I said earlier, I do believe LinkedIn is just as important as your resume, to be very honest with you, because you got to remember LinkedIn is 24 seven. It's always on. Even when you're sleeping, it can be working for you. So that's a tool that's in your toolbox. And I believe in a job market where, you know, coming, having been a recruiter for over 20 years, I can say this, we don't have a lot of control over certain things. We're dealing with humans, you know, we're dealing with human decisions and human, um, you know, biases, everything of that nature. We can't control some of that. But we can control the tools that we use in our, you know, to promote ourselves. And that is definitely one of the pieces with LinkedIn. So I wholeheartedly, you know, some people will argue LinkedIn maybe is more important than a resume. I think that's equal in terms of its foundation, but it's things that you need to have in your back pocket. And Melanie, you offer that service when you career coach, correct? Yeah, I create optim. I work with individuals. I walk them through and how to create an optimized profile so you're coming up higher in searches. So that again, you are going to be seen. We want people to come to your profile. We want to land on a profile and for us to understand from the viewer what is your personal brand, what is those pain points that you're solved, what makes you stand out. All of these things are things that can be accomplished. And then I also work with individuals to understand how to operate on LinkedIn. What is your LinkedIn strategy? Uh, I'm a big uh, advocate of engagement and networking. And those are the two biggest tools that you can utilize from a LinkedIn standpoint. So I know everybody says, oh, you know, yes, LinkedIn is social media. Absolutely. But it is so much more. It has the ability to not just be a job board, but it can be, as you mentioned, it can be a connector. It can connect you to people that you may not have otherwise had a chance to have a relationship with. You're absolutely right. And because Melanie is a career coach, she is also national and international, which means you can glean her services. Melanie, before we go to break, how can we find you? Yeah. So of course you can find me on LinkedIn, but you can also check out my website at findsucceedachieve.com. And that's the easiest way to get connected with me. Fantastic. Findsucceedachieve.com, which is wonderful. And you can always come to the Pushy Broad for everything that you need. I can give you Melanie's contact info and also spend some time with me if you need help finding or continuing your recovery. And that's 800-889-1757. 
I want you to stay tuned with the Pushy Broad. We are talking about career and jobs with Melanie Wexler. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. The Pushy Broad from the Bronx, New York. Are you ready to get big and live your life out loud? Tune in to Get Big Out Loud Radio, exploring life through the lens of curiosity and compassion. With me, Carrie Knudsen, joining Dr. Pat live every second Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I will offer ideas to transform what you are thinking into conscious action. If you want to get big and live your life out loud, visit me at KnudsenSpeaks.com. You have one life to live. You want to spend it doing something you enjoy, and that has meaning. If you're listening to this, then you're among the many who feel that the work they're doing is no longer a fit. My comprehensive coaching will support you and help you figure it out. I've coached hundreds of people through career transition. But visit my website today to book a free call, www.reinventing-letteru.com, when what you do matches who you are. A book that actually has healing power. Introducing you to Maximize Your Healing Power by Dr. Sharon Martin, available now for pre-order. This book takes you on an empowering journey that teaches you how to have control over your own health. Bridging the divide between Western medicine and shamanic practices of energy healing. Pre-order today and get a free bundle of gifts from Dr. Sharon Martin and several of her partners. For more information, visit drsharonmartin.com. Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today. Or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com, and click on the link that says Recovery Recharged. Don't wait. Get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Are you looking to up-level your leadership style to create greater results and have more success but not sure where to start? Executive coach Camilla Kahlberg can help. Recognized as one of the most inspiring coaches by EU Business News and regarded as one of the top mindset coaches in the world, she is helping clients thrive through personal and professional change. Camilla knows firsthand on what it takes to achieve what you may be missing in your life. Visit KahlbergCoaching.com for a free consultation. From the push it broad from the Bronx, New York. Welcome back, Transformation Talk Radio listeners. I'm Ellen Stewart. I'm the Pushy Broad from the Bronx. Welcome to my show, Recovery Recharge. We are talking hot topic today, and this is the challenge of finding a job. And that is it. Navigating the job market. 
And I'm here with Melanie Wexler, seasoned career coach, and we're talking about all different things that mean something to you. And if you have a question, 800-930-2819, this is your opportunity to get some free career coaching. And you know, that's a very (laughs) valuable thing. Okay. So let's move on. We talked about um, what's happening in the market, the uh, importance of LinkedIn, the importance of saying as a prospective candidate, why you are different, showing people what you've done, standing out in a sea of resumes. All right. Now let's just get a little idea of what's happening on the, in the employer's perspective, because I think if you know a little something about the company and what's going on, maybe you'll be able to de-stress because you can understand what's happening on the other end. All right. So let's discuss some of those perspectives. Melanie, what do you want to start with? Yeah. I mean, let's just, you know, dive right into it with what, you know, what is it that employers and recruiters are specifically looking for when it comes to, you know, that ideal candidate and understand that there is no such, I mean, there is not really an ideal candidate. That's very rare that you have somebody that's going to check all the boxes. So it's very important that when you're looking at somebody's job description, I say there's always these stretch job descriptions that maybe you have, you know, 75%, 80% of the job qualifications. Those are the ones that you should still be applying for. But if they have very specific requirements and you don't have them, don't, I'm going to be very real. Don't, don't apply for them. If you don't have the software and the technical skills, there's ways that you can go about potentially gaining those skills, but it's not going to be the job for you right now. It's not to say it's not five years from now or three years, but right now it's not the job for you. So you want to minimize those rejections. Be realistic for yourself because that is what is happening with um, hiring managers is they're looking at, okay, well, they're checking boxes. What does this person have? Does this person look like they have what I, you know, what can help our, you know, fulfill that job requirement right now? And that's what they're looking for. Okay, so what you're saying is, and let's reiterate it here, if you have about 70% or so of the qualifications in that job description, don't think you have to have 100%, okay? I know so many people that says, I don't have this, and I don't have this, and I don't have this, but I have everything else. Good, fine. If you have everything else, send in the resume. You don't have to have it exactly, all right? But you have to have more than half of the qualifications. You're absolutely right. If you want to be a rocket scientist and you didn't like science in school, then the answer is don't apply for that (laughs) job, okay, out there? This is the pushy broad telling you like it is. So I want to know what happens with a person who's looking at the resume. I always thought that because there's so many resumes out there, basically someone like an employer who's looking at a resume doesn't spend a lot of time on it, do they? They're really not. They're really honestly looking for keywords. They're looking for those main qualifications. So do they have like the educational requirements? Do they have the technical requirements? Uh, years of experience. I'm looking at specifically, like, do you have some of the relative same titles that I feel are equivalent to what we're looking for? It doesn't have to be exact, but they're just checking. I mean, I know it sounds kind of um, 
kind of silly, but they're just checking boxes. And if you get most of my boxes, you're going into my yes pile. Then I'm going to start to kind of get into the nuances of okay. the details. So, so the initial resume has to kind of fit the algorithm. Yeah. Abs- yeah. And Absolutely. then what happens is, so so as a, as a general rule, somebody that's looking to see if you're a fit is maybe looking 30 to 60 seconds on that resume to see if you're hitting the keywords. And if you're hitting the keywords and it's touching all the bases there, then they're going to put it in the let's investigate further pile. And then they're looking at other things. Okay. Yeah. So, ah, okay. So, Talk to me then when all of this is said and done about the common misconceptions about employers' motivations and their decision-making, because everybody thinks they didn't pick me because, and it's personal and the whole thing. So let's talk about that because that's psychological. Tell me what an employer's thinking. They, it is very black and white. It is not personal. Remember this. Say that again. Say that again. It is not personal. I used to tell my recruiters when I would get a new recruiter, they'd be like, oh my God, I love that person. And I would stop them. And I'd say, you don't know that person. You you just met that person. 24 hours ago, you could have ran into them on the street and didn't know a, a single thing about them. Not that they're not a great person, but you don't know anything about them. Okay. So just like that, you don't know anything about what what's making that person's decisions. And I don't know really anything about you. So it is very black and white. It is what's on paper in that moment. Now there's going to be interviews and I'm going to connect with you and I'm going to have conversations. Do we, you know, have some sort of, you know, bond that we can have a conversation? Does it feel natural? Things like that. That's later on. But in that, in that moment, it is all very black and white. It is not, and not to say, and I want to say this, not to say that people don't have biases. They do. We understand that they do. I've seen it firsthand with hiring managers. There's all sorts of biases, age, race, you know, discrimination. Age, age, yes. Age, race, gender, whatever, or whatever's happening with that person that day. Maybe the employing, the hiring manager went through a grief situation or there was a something that happened that was not a good thing. I mean, people are human. They are human. Yep. And here's what I will say. We can't control those biases. So all again, all we can do, control the things that you can control in this process. Not to say, you know, it's on the companies to resolve, you know, biased uh, hiring managers and biased practices. That's on the company and that's a whole other conversation. But you as a job seeker need to control the things that you can control. And that's utilizing all the tools in your toolbox. Okay. So it seems that we have a question. I'm going to read it to you. This person has noticed that keyword placements in online resumes is huge right now to get past the online automated first round. Is that true? And how do we get past it? And what do we do about it? So keywords are definitely important. The thing that you want to remember with keywords is you don't want it just to show up like once or twice, like the word project management. Um, You want to show that in the bullet points specifically. You want to use those keywords specifically. So even like for a software, for example, it's not enough to say you have, I'm just going to use Microsoft Excel. 
you need to then show in your bullet points, utilize Microsoft Excel to create, um, you know, macro table. I'm just making these up macro tables right. on that. You need to be specific. It needs to show up multiple times on your resume. That's going to help you push you to the head of the list. Okay. So now I take a look at a job description. Okay. When you say keywords, how are those keywords determined by the description of the of the job placement if i'm asking for a project manager that that has expertise in excel should i be repeating those words back on my resume are those the keywords we're looking for those are some of the keywords that you're going to be looking for you're going to notice um you don't necessarily want to repeat verbatim but you definitely want to see that multiple times. So I want to see it in a professional summary. I need to see it under key skills, but I need to see it showing up in the actual bullet points of the pre previous positions you've held. Where have you used that? How did you do it? What kind of, in what you know environment? And what was the results of that? Exactly. So if I am in the, say, construction industry and the description of the job in construction is, uh, window installation or um, or um, I don't know kitchen renovations then it should very well be placed in my resume what I have actually done to fulfill that job description correct absolutely okay all right so thank you very much for the question outstanding now let's go right into the current hiring trends and the hot industries. Are there any? What can we talk <laughs> about? Where should we start moving? Where are the jobs? So there's still a lot of jobs in healthcare. Healthcare is still in not just, you know, nursing and, you know, the practice, but there's still a lot of jobs in healthcare. Specifically? Um, um, specifically within like billing. Uh, there's also within what I would say, or, you know, the, like the technology, technologist, um, types of positions, like you may see a shortage of like radio, um, uh, son sonographs, um, things of that nature. So you're having a hard time getting your appointment that that's one of the things. So those are, you know, some technical positions types of things. Um, accounting right now is hot. There is a shortage of accountants. Um, I don't know where all the accountants went, <laughs> but <laughs> I know that, you know, with, they went with the lawyers on a boat they, in the middle of the ocean. I, apparently <laughs> they are in the middle of the ocean because that is a hot, I will say this. I have a lot of recruiter friends that if you're an accountant right now, you probably could write your salary, um, because there's just a shortage of accountants. I okay, I, yeah. so you hear so. that all your finance guys, if you can't exactly make it in finance in the way you want to in the beginning, and you've got a strong math background and you understand how everything works here, accounting, accounting, accounting. Okay, great. What yes. else? Um, cybersecurity is still a hot um, button, even though we've seen some issues in technology, you know, the tech world, there are still tech companies hiring, but cybersecurity is huge. I will say that with the right and proper certifications and networking, you can get entry level opportunities in the cybersecurity field because that is an industry that is continuing to grow. It really hasn't suffered too much of a setback. Um, and so those, I would say, are probably some of the hottest industries right now in terms of job opportunities. All right. So you are working with people that are looking for cybersecurity jobs? 
I work with an, I work with a wide range of individuals. I have such a, I work every from cybersecurity. I have a lot of like um, uh, hospitality uh, professionals right now in the meeting and events um, in space. I have a lot of that organizational development, HR, um, recruiting sales, um, and sales are always going to be an opportunity for people to get their foot in the door as well. Fantastic. Okay. All right. So now here's the other thing people want to think and people want to know something about average length of time. It's going to take me to find a job. How long? Right right now, I know this is not going to be popular. It is probably going to take you about 90 days. It is um, realistically going to take you about 90 days. 90 days, three months. That's much better than what I thought. I thought you were going to say six months to a year and everybody, everybody listening was just going to faint. Okay. (laughs) Stop driving. Okay. 90 days people is not a lot of time at all, especially now. All right. Now talk to us about time of year. What's going on with this time of year? Is this a, a time to look? If you have to, we get it, but is this a decent time to look? So you still have some windows of opportunity where um, we're only two weeks out from Thanksgiving. It will slow down a little bit and then there's still a little window of opportunity. So push forward, really put the foot on the accelerator right now. If you're under that pressure, really make a very hard press. But here's what I will also say, never stop searching because people are going to be lining up interviews. People are going to be making those um, decisions. And you can set yourself up for good success coming in strong for the new year. A lot of people may put their foot on the brake and then they're behind the eight ball come January. You don't want to be that person. Have everything in line, ready to go so that when that new year hiring hits, you're one of the first people out of the gate. All right. And also, too, one of the things that you mentioned before is that companies are talking about what's happening with them, and that's including many of them ending their fourth quarter now, which means they talk about new opportunities, new money, new budgets, and everything. So one should not get all upset if they're not hired right away, because maybe the money for that is first coming in the first quarter. Is that understandable? Absolutely. And that's what used to, I always knew how many people I needed to hire for the new year for my team based on this time of the year. So I was already going to start those interviews. I was already going to start pre-screening because I needed to make sure that I could hire people probably before the end of January, which meant I needed to have those interviews lined up and ready to go right after the first of the year. Okay. So does that specifically mean that now's the time to send out resumes? Are you the believer of send as many as you possibly can? Because the percentage of, of responses is extremely low. So on when, when, what would your idea be? Because I get this all the time. Tell me <laughs> what's your idea of really working at it. Approximately how many resumes should I be sending out a day? day or a week. And I want everybody out there to listen, including all my career coaching clients. Okay. (laughs) And all of Melanie's clients, because they want numbers. How many a day, how many a week? So I don't give a specific number and I'm going to tell you why, because we don't necessarily control the job postings that we see, but I'm going to take a very radical different approach to this. Um, I actually tell my clients all the time, I don't want you applying for a hundred jobs. If you're having to apply for 100 jobs, then we're not doing something right. I want you to be very methodical 
instead of like a shotgun approach, I want you to use a sniper effect. Um, you're going to zero in on the jobs that are of the most interest to you that you're truly qualified for. And we're going to spend time honing those relationships. I've just done this with an example with a client of mine. She found a job opportunity, utilized my network, had somebody that's already there, was able to get her an employee referral, which guarantees in that company that guarantees a first level interview. So we've already got our foot in the door, but we were very specific and very strategic. Okay. And I hear everything you're saying. And I love that the sniper approach as opposed to the what, what did you the, say? Just a shotgun approach, the shotgun, you know, <laughs> not a shotgun where the blast will go everywhere, but sniper yeah. directed at a thousand yards. I get it. But Here's the thing. I am going to Indeed. I am applying for a job. How do I know? What research do I do to be so directed? How do I get the best advantage and opportunity? You're saying that when you spoke to this person, you went through a connection and a this and a that. How do I set that up? Yeah. So if you don't necessarily have that connection, you found the job on Indeed go back to LinkedIn, go to that company's page. You can actually search from that company's page employees, find the person that maybe is listed as the direct hiring manager. That's, you know, this person reports to the title, search by the title, um, look for the recruiters. This is your job search. So you're gonna need to be aggressive. And I do take a very aggressive approach with this. And I suggest reaching out to, you know, the a person, doing the job right now, because there's probably multiple people doing the similar job, uh, reaching out to the hiring manager directly or reaching out to a recruiter. Um, so it's a really kind of a three-prong approach and put yourself out there. You won't always get everybody to respond, but what if you got one person to respond? What if you got that resume from that bottom of a hundred to now I'm in the top 10, or at least somebody's looking at my resume? Okay. All right. So you're saying some very important things. And one of the biggest things you're saying is it's not enough just to send out a resume to Indeed. Okay. It's just not enough to go into the big abyss where everybody else is doing stuff. Every single resume that you want to be targeted, you need to follow up, find out about the company, find out who's doing the hiring, find out who has similar jobs, and then you have to move forward. All right. People always say to me, I don't want to push anybody and I don't want to do this. And I don't want to be a pushy broad or a pushy bro. What's your answer to that, Melanie? It's your job. It's your career. It's your life. You have to be in control of it. Nobody's going to be your best and strongest advocate better than yourself. Okay. Okay. So now that you know that what you're applying to, even in a sniper-like way, like Melanie puts so beautifully, there may be 70 to 100 people applying with you. So if you don't stand out, that resume is going on the bottom of the pile, even if you're the most qualified. So you have to be a pushy broad or a pushy bro and stand out and very nicely say, I'm here. This is what I can do for you. I really want to work for you. Correct? Absolutely. 100%.
All right. So now let's talk about some of the other things that are coming to me and people are talking about. Let's talk about the role of AI, including chat, chat G, G, GPT in crafting your resumes and also the LinkedIn profile. So let's go back to that and see what it, what are your feelings around it? What are you at? What are you suggesting? So chat GPT is a great tool but don't just use it as a sole purpose of saying, hey, craft my resume, here's some information. You need to put some personality into it. Um, so, and that's what I'm finding people are like, oh, write my cover letter for me. Yeah, that's great, but it's not unique. I, it's not giving me any personality. It's not giving me any insights really onto who you are. And so it's a tool again, that we can use saying uh, one great tip that I'll give you is you can actually put your resume in and then put the job description in and say, compare the two, what's my resume missing? And it can give you some hints and suggestions, but you still need to be the person putting the effort into the resume. Okay. Okay. All right. So we don't have too much time, but, but you brought yep. up two <laughs> questions that I want to ask right away. Number one, are you suggesting that when we put the job description next to the resume, like most of my people and what I've done successfully is, are you suggesting a couple of different resumes based specifically on a job? You can tweak your resume based on those specific job requirements. I don't think you have to do an overhaul of your resume per se for every job, but you are going to want some tweaks in terms of keywords, key areas of expertise, making sure you're highlighting certain aspects that you may already have that you probably should have, but maybe you've had them a little bit pushed down in the bottom and you want to bring them to the top. Fantastic. Okay. And also, if you are interested in sales and you're also interested in training, that would also help you tweak your resume and the jobs description. And then you can label it the training resume or you can label it the sales resume and make sure that you're sending out those resumes accordingly. Correct? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So now let's spend the next couple of minutes before we end talking about the stress and then the anxiety that happens from all of this. This isn't easy. This is one of the major reasons that people talk about this. This is one of the major events in life. It's right up there with births and deaths and birthdays and weddings and divorces and all kinds of things. So how do you address with your clients managing the anxiety and the stress and staying positive? So resilience is going to have, you're going to have to be resilient right now because this is a process that is going to take a lot of, you know, it's going to take a lot of strength. So one of the things that I suggest doing is just don't get so overwhelmed that you feel like you have to accomplish everything. I just said this to a client last night. I'm just like, I didn't do this and I didn't do this. And I got caught up and I said, you know what? Focus on the job that you want to apply for at hand, because that's the closest, what we used to say in sales, what's the closest to the money? Um, you know, what is the activity that's closest to the money? So in this case, it was speaking to the person within the company, um, finding out more information about the company so that we can craft the cover letter. That is the closest to the dollar. Okay. So we didn't waste our time doing that. And if that was the only thing that we accomplished that day, that's okay. Because you know what? The goal is to get that resume submitted and to be the best version for that particular opportunity. So give yourself some grace. You don't have to accomplish every single thing in a day. Lord knows I don't do it. <laughs> and, um, and then 
Um, you know, but you can, you know, go back through and look at what you did accomplish. Because oftentimes we focus on the things that we failed to do, not on the things that we actually achieved. All right. And tell us once again, where we can find you. So definitely feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, but also you can check out my website at findsucceedachieve.com. And you can also message me from there as well. And of course, Melanie is virtual, so she can take clients all over the country and all over the world. And she is certainly plugged into the job market, which is why we have her back on a regular basis. She absolutely knows where it's at. Join me also as the Pushy Broad, 1-800-889-1757. I'm here if you need me. I am so thrilled to come to you every single month and talk to you about these wonderful things. Please stay strong, stay in recovery. We're going to get through the holidays in a great way. Do the things you need to do. Thank you, Melanie, for being here with us today. Thank you. This is the Pushy Broad from the Bronx saying thanks for listening. And remember, everybody needs a little push. From the Pushy Broad from the Bronx, New York.